Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart, she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills, here with Zell and Heidi to talk about modernity and our revolt against the modern world. Zellwyn, how are you? Doing great, Willie. I'm just up here preparing for the uh, upcoming revolt, as it were, in my bunker, recording from an undisclosed location. 20 seconds in, and we're already fed posting. Great. <laughs> Off to it's going to be one of those. It's going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> and that's, that's probably a good thing, because that means it's going to be spicy the whole way through. So. Well, how is the weather from your bunker? <laughs> well, at, at my undisclosed location, it is uh, quite nice, actually, and, and enjoyable, you know, when I go outside. But it is, it's it's not quite fully winter yet, and, and that's kind of nice because, you know, we're still enjoying some cool but not totally cold weather. And that's, you know, very comfortable, very enjoyable. But I am still looking forward to when it gets colder, too. What about you, Willie? Well, we got our first skiff of snow yesterday, so that was kind of nice to see. I'm I'm sort of looking forward to snow this year, and I credit that to all the time I spend with you. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> it's good for you. I'll be I'll be six foot five and speaking Norwegian before too long. <laughs> and turn, you know, blonde instead of your usual swarthy self. <laughs> That's true. So. That's true. I am allegedly swarthy. But, <laughs> But yeah, so um, I, we we went from summer straight to mild winter. I, I would have loved to have had a a proper fall. We had a few days of it, I suppose. But uh, it's been an interesting year for weather as well. Was the almanac correct? Eh, we'll we'll go through and evaluate that um, at the beginning of the year when we make our yearly reading in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well. All that said, uh, we've decided to come and talk about modernity a bit, and we're going to use that term pretty broadly because we want to give you all a little bit of cultural commentary as we do. We've touched on this a little bit with episodes like Tubal Cain's Forge, for example. You know, we've we've you know nudged the subject and brushed up against it, and sometimes perhaps addressed it head on. But when we talk about modernity, Zelwyn, what are we talking about? Modernity is a movement within human history that I mean kind of covers a, a pretty wide swath of time, but it, it really is a push towards a number of things. Um, and we'll kind of break these down as we go along. But you know, things like an individualism, things like a general hedonism, things like a, a general kind of naturalism also go with it. And I would include under naturalism a, a strong emphasis on technology and the, the kind of thought patterns that go behind technology. And all of this kind of combines together to create this thing we call modernity, which we have seen its effects in the way that our society is going. 
So, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to take a very critical approach to modernity and into what it has produced and to where it comes from. But we want to do so with the, the view of, you know, talking about why things are kind of where they are right now. Right. 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 So it's going to be kind of a longish segment or episode where we unpack what this is. It, it's not to say that all sin begins in the modern era or something like that. Um, right. But because of the modern era, you know, we're, we're far enough removed from the beginning of it that we can really see the result of it now after what amounts to several centuries. The question is, has modernism helped Christianity? Is it good for humanity in general? You know, and uh, that's a tricky question to answer. Because we do like modern medicine, I suppose, <laughs> and we do like, I don't know, railroads and the easy shipment of goods, and yet inside <laughs> of all that, there's a philosophy. There's a philosophy undergirding a lot of this that is not Christian and not healthy, and it's and we and we are starting to see some very startling examples of this in our current world. It gets a little tricky because we're saying modern, but we really... You know, we don't mean like today, today, exclusively. Sure. Uh, sure. The modern period stretches back much, much further than that to the 1500s. Right. And and so we're, we're talking about something that has its genesis in the early 1500s and probably really peaks in a way in at the end of the 1980s with the fall of the USSR. And yet we're still part of that world. That world still exists. Yeah, because I think sometimes people talk about post-modernity as if, you know, we are in a completely distinct and different movement from what was once called modernity. But I, I kind of take issue with that, yeah. uh, that way of speaking, because I think it, it overlooks what modernity is doing. And in some sense, you know, I, I've even heard it argued that, you know, post-modernity is really just kind of a, a hyper-modernity. Yeah, that it's, we're it's, just, just, it's just hipster modernity. And right. it, it, it's really funny to listen to it. Like, it's just... It's a it's a smug intellectual version uh, of a, of an already smug intellectual movement, anyway. But <laughs> it, it, you know, people like reduce postmodernity down to oh, m memorial relativism. Well, that's part of the Enlightenment. That's part of modernism. Okay, right, right. So, any almost without exception, everything you could level at postmodernity is found in modernity. Sure. And and so this is not necessarily going to be a history episode, but we're going to have to talk about the roots of this and uh, how we got here. So, Zelman, what is the beginning of modernity in your opinion? Yeah, and of course, that's something that's completely up for debate because it's not like you can say, you know, modernity began on this day, this month, and this year at this particular hour. You know, that's that's not how these kind of movements work. But I, I do think that the, the general kind of first stirrings of modernity begin kind of in the the, the Renaissance, kind of towards the, the end of the Renaissance as we're moving into the, the Reformation. So, you know, because at that time, we have a tremendous shift in the way that people are beginning to think, and especially the, the way that people are beginning to interact with a rapidly expanding world. Right. And so somewhere between Machiavelli and Luther is the beginning of modernism. Sure. And yeah. uh, people just heard me say that, and now they're throwing down their earbuds in <laughs> anger. But I'm not saying Luther is a modern. Luther is one of these two things, depending on how you look at it. He is either the last medieval scholastic or the first modern man. 
Sure. Obviously, he does not subscribe to many of the modern ideals. You know, he's not a relativist by any means, not a naturalist, th- those kinds of things. But that period of time uh, is where we begin to get, how should we put it? The It's the genesis of modernity. Right. Because people are beginning to think differently. The established structures are coming down. Information is flowing much faster than it ever did. You are seeing technological advancements really start to pick up speed faster than they had up until any other point. I mean, aside from maybe ancient Rome or, I don't know, perhaps the Egyptians, right? You know, we we should do that episode too, Lost Ancient History. But uh, that's neither (laughs) here nor there. I've got to get the scrolls from the hollow earth before we can complete that one. <laughs> well, I mean, I I think one of the the primary things that is driving this, especially in this time period, and and with the Renaissance and the the kind of the rebu- rebirth of ancient culture, is this idea that we are, you know, like you say, gaining this kind of you know ain't this lost knowledge. We're we're going back to something that has been lost, and we're and we're shifting the way that we think about authority. Okay. So, you know, in the medieval period, authority is really about citing your sources. It's really about going back to, you know, the fathers, about something in the past. Whereas with the, the Renaissance and kind of this recovery of knowledge, you have this, this idea that, you know, we gain information now through our own investigations, through our own ways of looking at things. And for that reason, there's a shift away from the past and kind of more towards the present. And with that shift towards the present and kind of the way that I am encountering these things, you have with it that corresponding shift towards the individual. And right. that's very much a something, something that comes out of the Renaissance and the, the early, you know, that, that Reformation period, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the individual. Now, we do not deny the legitimacy of an individual or the right. uniqueness in which God has made him, but to say that the individual is the arbiter of truth and that there could even be non-objective truth somehow all has its beginnings here. Right. So even theologically, you see greater division than you've seen in, in times past. Although our, although our councils episodes may lead you to believe otherwise, (laughs) but theologically, I mean, spiritually, all of these things, uh, what we get is a fracturing of groups and, it eventually is fractured in many ways to individuals. So now you have the privatization of philosophy, the privatization of religion now. Right. And we here at Word Fitly really believe that religion is objective, that there is real truth, and that every bit of creation is duty-bound to confess that truth. Right. And so can a Christian, can you really be a Christian and a modernist not if modernity denies every central tenet of your faith. Right. And it's interesting that as we became individualists, the value of the person seemed to diminish. And we're seeing that more today. You actually did see great movements within modernity to try to make things better for humans. And it happened. There were great strides in human care and access to food, clean water. And you also had the deadliest wars in history in the same period. Right, right. And and so that's what people are going to point to. Oh, you want to be a caveman and, and live in a cave? It's like, well, I don't want to be nuked, <laughs> you know, or, or I don't want to be starved to death because of communism or whatever. And uh, I don't want to be exploited in a mine because of Adam Smith or something either. 
to be fair, to be frank. Right, right. And, and so you have this very interesting thing within the modern era of uh, great strides in, in, in science and many good things, and then also terribly exploitative things that happened as well. Again, these things were present in other eras, but not quite like what we've seen in the modern era. Well, I mean, because I think with the coming of the modern era and some of these other things that we were talking about, you also have that shift um, towards the, the kind of the technique that goes along with it, that we're going to apply this knowledge, which we have gotten in a way that previous ages had not done. This is kind of why I insisted earlier on like, you know, technology as, as part of this, that, you know, we can use these technological means as a way of gaining something better. And admittedly, you know, they did, it has done some tremendous things. You know, we, we have tremendous progress in, in technology. I mean, we're, we're sitting here right now talking over, you know, the internet. I mean, <laughs> imagine trying to explain the internet to, to Martin Luther, you know, I, you just, it couldn't be done. It's a series of tubes <laughs> in the hollow earth. But at the same time, that technique, that technology was employed in such a way to, as you say, exploit because it ends up dehumanizing the individual, which is perhaps the great irony of modernity. Even when it insists on the individual, it basically reduces him into something less than what he is. Right. Which is the whole point of this episode, uh, to mm -hmm. prove and to show and to affirm that you're more than animals and you don't have to act like animals. Because right. that's what modernity turns you into. You're a cog in a wheel. It's funny. We talk about this, like, and, and I mentioned the USSR, and we just see, you know, and, and through that lens, even though the idea in, allegedly was to lift people up, it just turns them into worker bees. Well, right. on the flip side of that, you have people of a completely different econo economic model who want to turn you merely into consumers. Right. And, and it's not good either. This is this is kind of uh, this is where people get a little bit uncomfortable because we're certainly not going to endorse we're, communism. We're not pinkos and, <laughs> or anything like that. But at the same time, we also have to confront ab the abuses of capitalism as well. If we're going to be fair, right? And it's it's a, a Christian cannot just simply say greed is good and the ends justify the means. And yet, that's almost what you have with with some people nowadays. <laughs> and so somehow the Christian option is slaves in China gets us cheaper iPhones. I'm glad and we won, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and, and with that too, you know, this, you know, cause I also mentioned Haydenism as, as part of, as, of this whole package. And I think that kind of ties in very nicely with what you're talking about with uh, capitalism, because, you know, being a consumer in that sense, someone who's merely, you know, in consuming more products so that the the engines of the economy can keep running kind of a thing. It does breed this hedonism that we were talking about this, you know, this pleasure seeking, because if I am only an individual and if I am actually something less than what I actually am in the eyes of God, you know, if I'm just sort of a an animal or something, you know, it brings with it this idea of, you know, why not maximize the pleasure which I have? You know, why not consume all of these things so that I just feel good. You know, I mean, it all, it all ties together and it all begins with yeah. this shift away from, like you say, the, the, the ways that, that, that people used to think in the pre-modern period. Right. And that's, that's one of the things that I find interesting, you know, with hedonism. So if we lose the individual or if we lose the group cohesiveness and reduce people to individuals, you end up with hedonism and hedonism further dehumanizes someone because you you are turned again into an animal and 
that's what modernity says, right? Man is basically an animal. And, and so you end up acting like one. Christians fall into this too, because sometimes quote unquote gospel freedom is used as an excuse for hedonism. And I don't mean a silly phrase like John Piper's Christian hedonism. That's an irresponsible phrase, but John Piper's an irresponsible theologian. So what are you going to (laughs) do? But nevertheless, you know, people as they have been turned so into themselves and so focused on individualism, it's no surprise that they turn to hedonism in various forms because it's 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 a kind of escapism for them. Sure. And so they're looking for any kind of distraction from the supposed reality of the world that they're given. And they're really given kind of a bleak worldview. The secular worldview is very bleak. Mm-hmm. Well, especially, especially because, you know, with modernity, of course, came, you know, evolutionary ideals and the, the, all the, the kind of social ideas that that brought with it. So, you know, if man really is nothing more than an animal and, you know, you are living like an animal consuming more and more and more, is it any wonder then that we have, you know, this kind of general depression that kind of overhangs our entire society? You know, why, why are people, you know, using, you know, opioids in record numbers or, you know, why are people claiming to be so depressed if this is such the great, if this is the greatest period in history? Right. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more, hopefully, uh, as we get into the episode. But yeah, why why are people going to these kinds of substances, and can Christians can Christians do that too? It's a worthwhile discussion we need to have. I, it's anecdotal, but it does seem like addiction is going up, not just drug addiction, but alcohol abuse and technology addiction and and other kinds of addictions, things like that. It appears that. Modern man, modern scientists, and modern marketers have found a way to easily hack the human brain and get them to do or to consume whatever. And it, it's really kind of depressing because I wanted to live like in Cyberpunk 2020, and it is not what I thought it would be. There's much less neon, <laughs> you know, the, and it's just not as cool as I thought it would be. But, but that's kind of what we're creeping toward. Like it in the 90s when we're all up in the woods with Bo Greitz, you know, training and everything, everybody thought that it was silly. It was just conspiracy theories. And now we're actually starting to see a world that looks like a science fiction novel, not just in magical technology, but in, you know, the, in the nature of it, we, we are increasingly living in a dystopia. Ironically, we're alive at one of the best times to be alive because, Potable water in our country is pretty easy to come by. I mean, most of the world has things that they couldn't have dreamed of even a century ago. There are still some parts of the world that lack things. I'm not saying that. Never said it was perfect. And yet, when we have all of these comforts and everything is given to us or comes to us with relative ease, we slip, we're still slipping further and further into depression and turning into things to take us away from the cares of the world. Very interesting. But as we come up on the break, though, we're going to take this on in the second half. You know, why might people be looking for an escape? We're going to unpack that a little bit more. And we're also going to bring the Bible into this and see what it has to say. What does a Christian do in the modern world? You know, can can there truly be no modernist Christians? Well, check us out on the other side of the break when we take up these questions. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. 
Visit our website, wordfitlyspoken.org. There you'll find new articles each week on the Bible and other topics. You can also join us on Facebook at WordFitlyPosting. That's WordFitlyPosting with a P to discuss anything you've read or heard. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back with more WordFitly Spoken. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. Willie Grills and Zell and Heidi here talking about modernity and a rejection of the modern world. We haven't even got to how we reject it because we're not going to do that. You got to stick with us through the whole ride till we can <laughs> till we can get the remedy to you. But yeah, so the last segment we kind of ended. Uh, we got a loose end here. We have to tie up. Why are people trying to escape from this world when there are so many creature comforts? When Things are easier, quote unquote, than they used to be. Sure. Well, I mean, I think I think part of it stems from the the way that you know we treat life now, or way I should say the way that modernity has kind of created life around us. You know, we we are we're moving through these. Uh, our work, for example, has become little more than just you know repetitive kind of things over and over and over again. You know, we talk about finding satisfaction in our work, but a lot of people don't. You know, we see it as kind of drudgery, and you know, it it almost is kind of unnatural because you know you have the the guy who's so specialized in his work that when he gets laid off, now he can't find work. You know, you know what? How does how does that work? You know, but I mean, it, it's just it's just just general idea that there's a an artificialness to the way that we live. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a product of modernity. Yeah, a, right? a very sterile existence in a way. Well, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively. You are you are valued based upon what you do, or I mean based upon what your your occupation is or what groups you belong to more and more as as mm-hmm. jobs kind of just become jobs again. But now people are are pressured to identify as or with certain things in a way. And so there's a constant drudgery upon many people and a constant pressure. When it comes to turning to substances, these things might just be excuses, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the segment. Yeah, people have lost their value culturally, and they don't value themselves because you've removed God from the equation. Man has dignity because he's made in the image of God. We're different from animals, and I love animals. They're fine. Cats, not so much. Chickens are cool. You know, <laughs> whatever your favorite animal is, folks, think about it. And you know, they're pretty, they're pretty great. But human beings are greater in dignity. Right. And, you know, you, you say that and people automatically assume that I'm like, well, time to go drown some kittens. No, that's not what we're <laughs> saying. You, you treat all of creation good, but don't forget that man is unique. And that human beings have value. And that's an important thing. They're not just machines meant to simply labor toward tasks that don't matter. And they are certainly not vessels to be used. They're not simply something like that. Human beings are not meant to be used and abused. 
and thrown away. Human life matters. And modernity has reduced the importance of human life. And my evidence of that, again, is uh, the millions killed just in the last century. Right, right. Or how, you know, how we don't even bat an eye when we hear of, you know, millions and millions of deaths. Like, you know, oh, oh that was just an unfortunate casualty of, of the war kind of thing. I mean, to, to even think that way in previous ages would have been, it's completely unthinkable because yeah. we have we have reduced human life into something, like you say, almost worthless. Right, and we don't study history, and so we, we look at, we think that the ancient world was somehow more violent. And it's not really the case. What we have today is less individual acts of violence, technically, in many developed countries, technically. Sure, sure. But at the same time, the Wild West, you're, you were less likely to get killed in than you are in a major American city today. Sure. Uh, which is which is an interesting, you know, we think they were just going around shooting each other and breaking every glass window in a in the towns but that's that's not really what was going on and so there's the individual violence to deal with but on a large scale we have seen large scale death unlike anything we've seen due to two reasons one i i do believe philosophy and two obviously the technology you can just kill right. people more efficiently with modern technology right unless you're the plague right. or something <laughs> and so that's what we deal with and there is a a casual disregard for life in many cultures. Sure. And, and that's the thing, you well, know, somebody in North Dakota, the good people of North Dakota may value life more than someone in, in certain other countries, for example. And we can't disregard that. And some people might value life more highly depending upon where they are. But our philosophies, our religion, indeed our theologies will affect how we think of humanity. And if you completely take the Christian God out of it, what are you left with? Not much dignity for man. Right, right. Well, and, and with this too, and maybe and approaching it from a, a different angle as well, you know, when we talk about meaning in the present time, you know, the, the kind of, you know, what is, what is life all about? You know, how do I enjoy, enjoy life in a genuine way kind of a thing? I think people find more and more that there's this kind of void that they're trying to fill up. And so they turn to these kind of, you know, other activities or surrogate activities that, you know, try to fill up that void and give them some kind of purpose to what they're doing. And so you see this intense interest in things that maybe don't have all that much lasting of a value. You know, it's why people talk about uh, binging on entertainment nowadays, for example, because they're trying to uh, numb that void, which they feel and they and they think that, you know, being simply in entertainment will be able to do that. So, I mean, generally speaking, as, as we've been trying to say, what modernity has brought into the world is this general emptiness, This even as it purports yeah. to lift men and, up. And, that, and that's time. what it is. It's, it's an emptiness. It's a void. I know many Lutherans would be like, oh, it's guilt. It's not guilt, necessarily, right. that people are feeling. It's not guilt. It's something else. A sense of emptiness, as you said, as if they're lacking something. And that hurts them. It hurts man not to have a purpose. We're we're pioneers by nature, but but we can't uh, discover the Pacific Ocean again, can we, Zelwyn? We can't <laughs> settle the West again. We can't do these things. Maybe we can though. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm wrong. 
Maybe we ought to be. <laughs> maybe we maybe we ought to go back to the moon. Maybe Elon Musk is is right. We do need to get to Mars. Maybe maybe man needs to do that not because of global warming, but because man needs to conquer. I don't know, but, but man needs to work with purpose is what I'm glibly trying right. to say. Right, right. They need the chance to work hard at work worth doing, and and simply focusing on watching you know 15 season of Grey's Anatomy or something in one sitting is probably not not the best thing that one could do. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you think, for example, you know, I, I've been comparing modernity to like pre-modernity and kind of the, the medieval mindset or whatever. You know, we generally think of that period as being, you know, oppressive and abusive. And in some ways, you know, it, it had its problems, of course. But even the peasant in that time period could see his purpose within the grander scheme of things sure. because that's the way that he looked at the world. Yeah. And so he wouldn't have felt oppressed in the same way that we feel oppressed by the fact that we have to go to work, you know, every Monday through Friday or, you know, and sometimes on the weekends too, just to try to make a living kind of thing. You know, it's, it, it really is this sense of, you know, is there, is this all that there is? Yeah. I think is, is the main question behind modernity. Right. Right. It, it is all that I have in my life, new Star Wars media and a high score at Candy Crush. You know, it's, um, <laughs> And we're and we're going to get to the technological aspect of it too, because that it wouldn't be word fitly if we didn't gripe about my phones. But <laughs> on a podcast, on a, ironically on. on a podcast, our hypocrisy <laughs> knows no bounds. But it, it it is true. Yeah, absolutely. Like like you say. And so, well, before we unpack this some more, let's talk about the Bible a little bit, because that's okay. going to help us unpack it further. So where should we go first? You know, that's 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 a great question. Maybe the first uh, place to talk about these sorts of things would be let's let's say the the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, right? Where Paul is talking about all of these things which are part of the world and what it means to avoid them as Christians. Wh- which one of those works of the flesh would you would you associate with with what we've been talking well, about? Well, let's really? let's read through them. Okay. Um, so Galatians 5. All right. So we got Galatians chapter 5, where Paul says, starting in 19. verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So which one do you want to focus on? <laughs> well, how much time do we have left? Well, let's yeah, let, exactly. let, let's take a look at let's actually let's take a look at drunkenness. Okay, why would you pick drunkenness? Well, it's going right along with our theme here of uh, escapism. Okay, everybody's wanting to be doped up in some way, if whether it's just through being hypnotized through media or if it's literally recreational drug use. Sure. And so, and I would include alcohol in that for the purposes of this conversation. It's time to talk about temperance here on a word fitly spoken. And we've talked about doing a whole episode on on the temperance movement and and biblical temperance, but why would Paul say we need to be sober-minded, for example? Yeah, I mean, the the whole point of being sober-minded is so that we're not caught up in the the haze that kind of comes with being worldly. Yeah. Because when when we are when we are not sober, when we are drunk in our minds, so to speak, whether we are literally drunk or whether we are you know drunk in some other way, we we end up becoming 
I mean, intoxicated with the things of this world, we start to lose focus on what truly matters because drunkenness as a vice really tends to focus on, you know, the the self and the pleasures and the moment, <laughs> whereas, you know, being sober minded, right. you know, looks to something else. Right. And I can kind of see, you know, people, people, the, the warning lights go off and we start talking about, you know, limiting my drinkies, but you should. And, <laughs> and it's gotten pretty like, so for instance, I live in, in Illinois and of course, alcohol has been legal in most of the 50 states, except where I grew up, um, you know, <laughs> since prohibition was repealed. But now in Illinois, we have uh, legalized marijuana. Now you can't grow it. <laughs> you can't sell it, but you can buy it from approved dispensaries. And now we see even Christians partaking of this. And what's the justification? Well, it's it's legal. So right. it must not be bad for me. Right. Or there must not be anything morally wrong with it. As if the reason why the church is frowned upon drug use was because it was li- illegal. Like, you know, <laughs> come on, folks. Um, you lose control. And a lack of control is not in accord with the Holy Spirit. Right. Now, it's an interesting question. I kind of want to say this when we do a full episode on it. But can you drink alcohol in moderation? Some people can. Some people can't. If you cannot drink it in moderation, then please refrain. Right. But can you use yeah. modern, especially modern marijuana in the same way you can use alcohol? I, I don't know. And, and then and then the next logical question is, can you do it with heroin? Can you do it with cocaine? Right. Can we just agree that it's not good for a Christian to lose control of their faculties in some way? And this is what all of these uh, things are about. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, stripes, seditions, heresy, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the like. All of these have to do with the passions of a person overflowing and, and being channeled in a very negative way. And drunkenness, and we'll say, you know, it, again, when we say drunkenness, we're not only speaking of alcohol here, but drunkenness just magnifies the, the risk of falling into these things. Right. Well, and, and the, the great danger for us here is that because of the, the modern spirit, because of modernity and the way that it tends to drag down the human spirit, you know, because it, it is this general numbness, this general emptiness, this, you know, is this all that there is kind of a, an attitude kind of a thing. I, I think people turn to this loss of control. They turn to this kind of drunkenness, either literal or figuratively, as a way of trying to escape that that feeling. Correct. And yeah. unfortunately, that is something that is is still not good, which is why I think we are seeing our our culture continuing to spiral out of control. Right. Right. Yeah. A doped up people are an easy to control people. And and so if you want to be put in camps, you know, if you don't want to be put in camps, you need to be vigilant, right? If you don't want to be right. forced to do something, well, if you're drugged, you're not you're not in your right mind. You'll do whatever whatever they tell you. And many people are the mind is is easily programmed in many ways, and so imbibing too much of a certain type of media can do that too. And we look at this with like sure. pornography use, right? It rewires sure. the brain in an unhealthy way. If we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, can we not be degenerated by the corruption of our minds? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, if you look at someone who's abused any alcohol, any substance for a number of years, you can see the physical effects even of the toll that it takes. But I would submit to you that if you look at someone who has 
uh, become addicted to pornography or some kind of bad media consumption, you can see that in their faces too. And there are going to be other physiological complications as well. And this is what the devil wants, wants to do. The devil wants to destroy man any way he can. And so he degenerates man's mind and destroys even man's body that he might be lost. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you think like with technology use, for example, and the way that technology is being deliberately designed, especially with social media sort of stuff, to create a kind of mindlessness to it. You know, it's designed to be deliberately addictive and it's designed to kind of turn you into this, you know, this zone where you, you basically focus on it and it only for long periods of time. You know, this is something that has the, the potential to deeply distract us. Yeah. Some and, and in so distracting us to take us away from the things that are truly, you know, eternal, right. the things that are truly important. And again, there's nothing wrong with playing a game here and there. There's, there's nothing wrong with watching a movie and that's not what we're we're talking about here but i mean we are consuming massive quantities of data for sure. nothing i mean think about the the wasted time scrolling through facebook or or whatever twitter is i'm on twitter i promise <laughs> and i love my followers on twitter they are the best you know who you are but at the same time i'll scroll through that and go what is this Right, right. Especially if I go to main Twitter. If I stay in my own little Twitter sphere, it's pretty safe. But if I go out into it, it's just celebrities. I don't know the names. I don't know their names or their genders. I don't know what's going on. And it's just, it's a strange place. And then you go, well, surely nobody actually listens to these people. And then you see tens of thousands of likes and retweets and comments. And you're like, okay, maybe maybe we need to maybe we need to legislate or something i don't know and 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 lest we you know we be thought that this would be old man yelling at clouds or something like that the 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 point is not so much even the individual like tweet or the individual post or something Correct. like that it that's really not the issue here the issue is the whole act the activity as a whole like how much time i mean i can i can think to my shame you know how much time you know i've spent with some of these things you know sure. even recently you know, it it is something that is designed to bring us in and to make us focus on it. And even as we try to sanctify it or whatever we might call it, you know, even as we might try to use these things for the benefit of, you know, even of the church, it is still something that causes us to lose track and to lose control. Right. Well, I mean, if you don't think that your phone has brought you to heal, uh, think about fan- phantom vibrations. Right, yeah. Where you, your phone's not in your pocket, but you still pat it. You still feel like it's wanting you to pick it up. Right, right. Or just that general panic which you feel when you can't find your phone. Right, and it's and it's generally not because I could be stranded out here and die. It's because oh no, I've just lost my phone. Right. Yeah, and and we're going to get into much more old men yelling at clouds territory the next segment. Trust me. Because this is what we do, because we're a little old-fashioned because we think old-fashioned is better. Sure. Yeah, we reject the modern world not because it's modern. We reject it because it's evil. Right. To yes. put none too fine a point on it. <laughs> and so you just want to take your friend by the hand and go, friend, come on, come with me. Don't go back there. There's nothing good there for you. Let us let us show you a better way. And admittedly, our way is not, we're not and prim and we're not really going to be pre-modern. We still want you to listen to the podcast, and we're still going to have more uh, synthwave than any other Lutheran podcast out there. So 
you know, we're not going to reject all electronic things and all dystopian future things, <laughs> just the just the non-salutary ones. No, I mean, and and that really is the point here is that there is so much of modernity that is unsalutary, as you say, something that is so well, even evil, as you say, to put as you say, to put none too fine a point on it, that we do need to find a different way. We need to find a way out of it so that we can go to something better because there is something better and we can find it through our Lord. Well, we've got to take our next break. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly after this. But he said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. Hang tight. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zelwyn Heidi talking about the revolt against the modern world. Well, I think we've thoroughly defined modernity. We've talked a little bit about uh, the symptoms of it, and now we need to talk about how to escape from it. Zelwyn, how do we escape? Well, it it won't be easy. I mean, I, I don't think this is something where we can just say, oh, yeah, you know, you just have to do this X, Y, and Z, and then everything will be fine. Yeah, as if it was just like taking a pill or something like that, or just applying some other technology. No, it's it's not going to be that easy. But there is there is a better way out of these things. And I think the first thing to do in all of this, and you can certainly respond to this, Willie, is we need to first of all, you know, find that meaning in you know what we do. We we need to escape the void of seeing you know the a purpose purposelessness in our lives, and to find that purpose in our lives, in our, in our Lord. Yeah. Right. So it begins and ends with Christ, our God. You must look to Jesus Christ. The world was made through him. We are his handiwork and he has redeemed us. And so you are a child of God. You have value. Don't let anyone treat you like you don't. Now I'm not telling you to be like sassy office lady. That's not what I mean, (laughs) but don't let the world destroy that image. Don't let that the world destroy you, and don't destroy yourself for the sake of something fleeting. And so, what does God give us? Well, everything good that we have. First and foremost, we attain eternal life through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And so our salvation is in His hands. Now, if you are a redeemed Christian and you are serving the Lord, all right, you're off to a very good start there, right? But Christians need nourishment. And Christian nourishment does not come from escaping into into things of the world. Christian comfort and Christian healing comes from going out of our respective spheres and into the church. 
And so, yes, every day you are in the scriptures. We'll talk more about that. Every day you are praying. But you also need to gather around fellow believers. Because as dangerous as a pagan community is to the soul, um, an isolated Christian can find him or herself in danger. Right. You know, you're not all stylites here, okay? <laughs> and and it's not just it, it's not only about building community together and the mutual consolation of the brethren. That's very important, a very right and proper thing that we should seek out. But it is coming together and receiving from God that strength for the journey that we need. It is ordering ourselves around God and his church, ordering our lives around it. So we are talking about a mental and a spiritual escape before there's a, a physical escape from this. Right. You know, you can't. we can't all go out to Idaho and build our own towns yet. And we're not building the millennial kingdom on earth, right? <laughs> but, right. So for most of us, it's going to be a mental and spiritual flight. You're going to say enough is enough of this. And you're going to have to rewire your brain, ask God to do it, and focus on what's good. And so you are invested in the scriptures. If you have children, you look around and you think, oh, how wonderful it is that God gave these to me. And I'm not just going to throw a tablet in their face so they'll be quiet. If you have a spouse, you treasure that spouse as a gift from God. If you're married and don't have kids and can have kids, you need to have some kids. You know, I do think this is very important. <laughs> and of course, you need to plant a garden. But but, be, but beyond that, I think it is fo it is focusing on the good, right, and natural things God gives us, in addition to the supernatural things. I, I think one thing to emphasize in all of this too is that you know you're, you're talking about finding you know community in the church and you know finding fellow believers and kind of building that kind of society that way. We don't want to take that idea of community and use it in the way that the, the modern world uses community. Cause you know, they talk about fandoms and they talk about, you know, the, this movie community or something yeah, like that, or they yeah. talk about the, the whatever community, the you know, savage XYZ. dragon community or yeah, of fans. <laughs> yeah. The Godzilla community. No, no, now let's pump, the, let's pump the brakes here. That's uh <laughs> I'm just getting personal now, but hey, but if there's ever if there's ever a great illustration of trampling down the modern world, it is Godzilla. To be fair, to be fair, to be fair, touche. Good point. <laughs> but but the point is is that when we're talking about the church and talking about building society and kind of escaping from modernity, it's not just a matter of consuming the right product. It's not just a matter of you know finding your identity in a certain number of things the way that modernity does. It is about finding your identity in God and also building that society with one another so that we are, you know, as, as, a, as the body being built up together and not just simply as like-minded consumers of, you know, certain products. This is going to be some very, very practical and perhaps off-putting stuff. I think we need to make good uh, personal choices about what we put into our bodies and how sure. we use our bodies. Okay. So, and, and, but I think that the scriptures talk about this. And as a 19th century quack, of course I do. But <laughs> the the scriptures do talk about this, that we need to discipline our bodies as well as our minds. We're not purely spiritual beings, so our bodies actually do matter. So let's take care right. of them. Let's not abuse them with substances. Um, let's not allow other people to abuse our bodies either. And so from that, uh, we have kind of a holistic approach to this. It's 
it is, and it's going to sound kind of trite if we say it this way. It's eat well, exercise, read the Bible, go to church, love your family. Right, right. But that's the only <laughs> thing that matters is 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 to love God and love your neighbor. And how do you do that? Well, you care for your family. You care for those closest to you. And you, you treasure them as gifts from God. And you do the same thing with your body. And none of us are great at this. That's okay. That's why we have forgiveness. That's why grace exists. But we shouldn't use that as an excuse. Well, and, and also with, with this idea of, and I think goes along with it, you know, this idea we've been talking about of self-control, of not being dominated by something else, whether that be physical substances, whether that be, you know, the, the technological influences of our lives, whether that be modernity in general and the way that it, it tends to just destroy, even, you know, Christian ways of thinking so that it reduces us into something less than what we are. And so part of the, the mental revolt against the modern world has to begin with a, you know, a strong discipline, a strong self-control. And if we are not engaged in that self-control, as you say, how can we expect to exercise self-control in other things? Yeah. And this is going to be a discipline. And this is not something, this is not a, a cudgel that we're going to use to beat you with. Understanding, it's like anything. It's like exercising. It's like lifting weights. It's like long distance running. It's whatever. Woodworking. I mean, pick, you know, choose whatever discipline you want and think about how difficult it is to master that. So you're going to stumble. You're going to fall. That's fine. That's God is there to forgive. And the church is there to provide healing and restoration for that. And that's how you need to view things. This is not a contest toward perfectionism, but it is a call to a living and an active faith. I firmly believe, Zellin, part of the reason why our churches are not as full as they used to be, why our young people fall away, rather, you know, they always say things like, well, and then they went to college and fell away. Yeah, because they weren't equipped and because you gave them a soft religion. You gave them a church of comfy pillows and niceties. You didn't treat the church like an arena, an arena that fills, feeds, heals, equips, but equips. I mean, you know, it actually prepares right. you for something. And so does it surprise you then? Well, all these young kids, you know, protesting and marching with Antifa and everything. Yeah, because they want something to live for. And they've right. made a bad choice over here. But my goodness, couldn't you have channeled some of that youthful enthusiasm toward Christ our God? Couldn't you have done that? But no, you had to give them some kind of watered-down pablum and so we have a generation, even of Christian adults, who are still on milk, not ready for meat. And it's because we make excuses for everything. So somebody's going to listen to what we're saying here and go, oh, well, actually, I was thinking about this when we were talking about Galatians 5, and I can see it now, some uh, Radloof out there going, well, actually, Paul said not to, not to drink, not to be a drunk, because uh, that was uh, really a reference to Bacchus. And, and, you know, uh, always seeking to make, you know, some kind of excuse out of it. Or my favorite, Lutherans used to try to be at least a little bit half clever, but nowadays more and more, what do they do, Zellin? They're going to hear this and go, oh, so you're a pietist podcast. And that's just a coincidence. But, <laughs> but that, that's what people push back against this because they know it's right. They do deep down know that God has called us to something more. And we fail at this. Every day we fail to reach any goal, right? And that's cool. But some days you're going to, you will hit those goals. I'm not preaching Methodism here. I'm just preaching Christianity. That God, 
God gives you good gifts and he gives you vocations and he expects you to carry them out to carry them out diligently according to his will. Or Pastor Grills, you say that that's law. Yes. Yes it is. Maybe. But if God told you to do it, why wouldn't you? God is not giving you arbitrary sets of rules just just to set a benchmark for you. He's showing you a better way. Don't kill each other. Love one another. Love your neighbor. Take care of the hungry. Treat people as if Christ died for them. And if you think that's law and want to reject it, that's on you. But it's a beautiful picture of a world that could be better and will indeed be better. Because this will be the order when Christ comes again in his second advent. Well, and you think especially of like Psalm 1 and talking about uh, the righteous man being like a tree planted by you know streams of water. And to be away from that stream, to be away from the ways of God, is to find the way of death, to find the way of you know the the wind, to find the way of chaff. Yeah, it is not a way that profits. Well, you know, Zoan, I think a lot of our even our newer theological debates like this, and kind of mm-hmm. the carving out little fiefdoms in the theological world, is a symptom of modernity. Sure. And social media has made that happen. I mean, I'm happy we have our fiefdom, and it will grow stronger, more powerful. Don't get me wrong, but. <laughs> You know, there are some people who I think just live to kind of police this kind of thing and to well and to well actually us <laughs> in every sphere of the internet. And it's because th- I think they've got nothing better to do. I think there's nothing else going on. I think it's another symptom of this. So instead of focusing on their Funko Pop collection, they're focusing on finding any pronomian they can or something like that, right? And sure. and, and so it's like, dude, go smoke some meat or <laughs> go dig a hole, do something. You know, just stop <laughs> because, because when you're, you know, go, go to a soup kitchen or something, you know, when you're, when you're working really hard in the kingdom and, and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be like running orphanages or something like that in South America, but when you're doing the diligent work that God has called you to do, raising children, loving your spouse, you know, doing your job and doing it well and doing it with diligence, you don't have a lot of time to thought police everyone. And honestly, you have to interact with people. And so you start to see people as human beings again, not as punching bags or things to be exploited for likes and shares. Right. Like you do in in many of these things. And so, yes, even even good theology can be corrupted by bad technologies, Ellen. Absolutely, it can. Absolutely. Although, you know, and maybe because I know we're kind of we're kind of coming towards the end of the, the, the episode here. Maybe, especially when we're dealing with the issues of like preaching and, you know, how can we deal with this issue in the church? You know, yeah, we, we want to avoid this kind of clickishness that technology creates. We want to avoid this kind of individualism. But maybe, you know, just, just preaching these things in a, a clear and an effective way, because preaching is not something that can ever be replaced. Preaching is God's way of bringing his message to his people, and that's never going to change. And so, you know, we are part of maybe the the escape out of modernity as well within the church is this renewed emphasis on on preaching that, you know, this is this is what God is calling us to do and to use this as a way of leading others also to leave behind that which does not profit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and again, I just want to stress this is, you know, everybody's going to not everybody, but people will hear this as some kind of, of legalism. And it's just it's so tiresome. It's so tiresome. We're calling you to live as if God's alive. <laughs> you know. Right. 
And right. he is, and he and he and he asks us to do these things. And the reason, oftentimes, that we are miserable is because we don't do them. That's where your guilt comes in. Sure. And I think a lot of this lashing out against God's word is that that actually is the product of guilt. Sure. So, so we've got kind of the the non Christian who has this void on the one hand, and then this Christian over here, this baptized person who is trying to avoid something. And and so one struggles with emptiness, one struggles with extreme guilt. And uh, it's, it's, it's very telling, it's very interesting, but guess what? The church has the remedy for both of those things. Right. And the answer is always Jesus. Jesus fills the void. Jesus takes away guilt. Jesus forgives sins. Jesus both creates and recreates man. And Jesus also sets us in a better way. Absolutely. And he doesn't leave us or forsake us. Lo, I'm with you always, he says. And so that implies that we are going somewhere and that he is our companion and guide to that place that we call Zion. But, <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, I mean, that, that really is, is the driving point of all of this, I think, that, you know, when when we turn towards the Lord, when we see that there is, in fact, a better way, when we see that modernity has, you know, corrupted many things and brought us down from where we should be, Jesus is going to bring us to that place where we ought to be. And so we are leaving behind the ways of the world and the way, and the way that it thinks, the way that it, it tries to solve things. And we are going towards our Lord who is ultimately the answer to all of these questions. I mean, this emptiness or this guilt that we might feel, you know, as a non-Christian or as a Christian, that we can find healing, we can find fullness, we can find an answer to all of it in what our Lord has done for us. Right. Well, all right, Zone, we've got a few more minutes left. How do we want to uh, wrap up this discussion? It's been fun. I mean, we're going to, and we're going to touch on these topics uh, more and more. It's just, it's good to be reminded that, that we are in a spiritual battle and it's real and that the devil is still there pulling the strings and the, the sinful flesh and the world is going right along with it. And so we need to be vigilant. I, I think maybe, honestly, maybe the best way to, to kind of wrap this up is to remind us that, that Jesus is in, is not only the one who shows us a better way and is the better way, but Jesus is also victorious. That, you know, in the escape from modernity, we're not just, you know, doom posting, thinking that, you know, that, oh, you know, woe is us. Are we ever going to find a way out of this? No, there is a better way. Yeah. And we are we're going towards that better way. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I mean, we don't want to lose hope. You know, don't don't take the black pill and think that that is the way out of, you know, modernity. No, that's that's not it at all. The way out of modernity is our Lord himself. Yeah. Always a white pill here. This is not a black <laughs> pill, right? And don't despair. <laughs> Christians, you're going to look out into the world and you're going to listen to what we said here and think, man, these guys might be right. The world does kind of suck. And it does. The world can be dark out there, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, again, look around at what God has given you. Consider what he's done for you in Jesus Christ and how wonderful it is. And it will only get better. The world will pass away. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is eternal. And Jesus Christ has promised to come and make all things new. And so we're in this 
strange period, post-resurrection, but awaiting the final consummation of all things. And so our call in the meantime is to be faithful and to be sustained by him. And he will see us through. He is with us always. And so the modern world will perish, but that new and heavenly kingdom will, will descend, heaven and earth united, heaven and new earth united, to where modernity will not even be spoken of anymore. And maybe as a way of, as a final thought, and in honor of our new closing music, which we are you know, employing for the first time today, you know, Babylon will fall. It will. And the, our Lord will reign victorious. And we will greet that day with joy and, you know, in triumph, knowing that Jesus Christ reigns forever. Amen. Well, this has been a Word Fitly Spoken. If you like what you heard and want to know more, check us out, wordfitlyspoken.org, facebook.com slash wordfitly, or Twitter at wordfitly. I'm Willie Grills here with Zelwyn Heidi. God love you, and God bless. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth.